This is episode 780 of the Roadman Cyclone Podcast. Today, I want to put all the pieces together and clear up some dietary confusion. Let's cue that intro! Welcome to the Roadman Cycling Podcast. My name is Anthony Walsh. Six days a week, we bring you an inspiring person or message to help you on your journey towards health, happiness, and longevity. Now let's get into the show. A few years ago, I saw a huge gap in the market for an app that was like a cycling coach, but in your pocket. I knew that AI was ultimately going to be the best coach in the world. And I spent about two years of my life trying to make this app happen. Unfortunately for me, it didn't happen. But ever since then, I've kept a really close eye on this space to see if anyone else could succeed where I failed. The Breakaway app caught my attention a couple of months ago because Christian Vandeveld, yep, the Christian Vandeveld who came fourth in the Tour de France, is one of the co-founders. And it seems that the Breakaway have created the ultimate cycling training companion and they're bringing low-cost coaching to the masses. You'll know from listening to the podcast that my pet peeve is when cyclists head out the door with no plan, no goal, and just roll around without an objective. Don't be that guy! The Breakaway app looks at all your historic training data and it builds a plan around your strengths and weaknesses so you're always going to have the perfect session. They also have integrations which I'm really excited about, Whoop and Aura Ring. The reason I've previously ditched my wearables is because the data just wasn't informing my training. No longer the case. Head on over to roadmantrial.com and you can download their app for free. That's roadmantrial, R-O-A-D-M-A-N-T-R-I-A-L.com and download the app for free. The link to this is in today's show notes. Roadman, welcome back to another Roadman Cyclone podcast. I haven't riffed like this in a little while. Today, I want to talk a little bit unstructured around diet and making some sense of the various and sometimes conflicting dietary philosophies that are out there in the in podcast sphere. And, you know, on this podcast as well, I will be the first to say I definitely haven't contributed much towards clarity in terms of dietary philosophy because we've had so many different guests on with conflicting dietary approaches and I want to try and dive in unpack all that and show you my strategy and exactly what I'm eating in a day so stay tuned till the end where I'm going to show you that yesterday's podcast was an absolute banger what this is episode 780 so yesterday was 779 if my maths is correct And I honestly think it was the best podcast I've ever released. I was chatting to a friend back and forth on WhatsApp yesterday, and I can't remember in my 780 podcasts putting out a better conversation than that podcast yesterday with Genevieve. It was an incredible story of verbal assault, physical assault, sexual abuse, doping, world titles about road and time trial. An absolutely incredible story. And I had to pinch myself listening back to the story. I was like, is this conversation actually happening on my podcast? My shitty little podcast that I started recording into the broken microphone port on my iPhone reviewing Tour de France stages when like four people were listening. I'm pretty sure three of those four were like my mom, my dad, my sister. And Sarah was probably the fourth. I can't believe how far it's come and that's thanks to you guys so i'm not going to harp on that because i will get a little bit emotional and sentimental but thank you very much for tuning in and sharing that episode around and i do think it's such a valuable message so please do continue to share yesterday's episode around because there's people out there in sports clubs doesn't even have to be cycling clubs soccer clubs gala clubs here in ireland or further abroad whatever your chosen sport is 
and they're suffering physical, verbal, or sexual abuse in their clubs. And that podcast, for me, it's a wake-up call to say no level of abuse is acceptable or appropriate and to look out for the warning signs for it. Today, I want to unpack this dietary confusion. And if I cast my mind back to a previous life, back when I was pursuing a career as a lawyer and going through law school, now, this example will make sense in a second. So you have two sides to a legal debate. You have a prosecution and a defense. And to prove my side as the prosecution, I will call in an expert witness. To prove my point as a defense, I will call in an expert witness. So we have a topic and we have experts on either side who are presenting totally opposing viewpoints. So when people say trust the experts, it's like, Okay, cool. Which experts? Because one's pointing north and one is pointing south. And this happened so much during the vaccine debate that it's like, trust the science. Okay, which body? Like, who are we allowed to trust? Because there's totally conflicting evidence. And we're having that quite often at the moment with dietary debates, with dietary philosophies, because there is different dietary philosophies and at times they're quite opposing. So today I'm going to try and break down what I've taken from having these really long-form discussions with probably 10, 20 dietary experts at this point, what I've taken from that and how I've applied all that information to build my diet at the moment. And I will keep you guys updated. If I talk to someone new, like next week, I am talking to Chris Kreiser, and that's somebody who potentially I could chat to him because of the body of clinical evidence and data and the work, amazing work that he's done that I could change my viewpoint after chatting with him. But up to this point and all the experts I've chatted to, this is kind of where I'm at. So I've chatted recently to like Dr. Anthony Shafee and Dr. Mark Sisson. And they're on one side of the continuum. They're representing a viewpoint that we should be eating zero carbohydrates, ketogenic-based diets. Then recently, I've also chatted to the likes of Michelin star chefs like Alan Murchison, Hannah Grant, and their experience is working with world tour teams. Hannah might even still be working with Jumbo Visma at this year's Tour de France, but they've both worked extensively with national federations and world tour teams, and they give us an insight into what they're eating. And it's not what Mark Sisson and Dr. Anthony Shafee are eating. So we're at this impasse as a listener where I'm like, okay, well, what do I do? This group is saying one thing and another group is saying another thing, and they both seem equally well qualified. There is no right answer to this, unfortunately. There's no like, yeah, just listen to the Mark Sisson episode, do everything there that that's correct. Because it, And there's no right answer in general. You're not going to find anybody that says that's the right answer because the right answer is unique. The right answer depends on which lens you view the world through. What does success look like for you? So if we think about this as a continuum, and on one end of the continuum on the spectrum, we have health and we have longevity. And on the very far end of the continuum, we have performance. You need to decide where on that continuum you sit. When I talk to these world tour riders or when we chat to Hannah Grant and we chat to uh, Alan Murchison, they are entirely performance focused. Now, there's a study that stuck in my mind to this point, and I can't remember the, the reference for this study, but if you Google it, you'll find that they ask a number of Olympic athletes. I think it's like 50 Olympic athletes. If you could take a magic pill, that magic pill will guarantee you a gold medal. But 12 months after taking the magic pill, you will die would you take the magic pill? And guess what percentage of people said they take the magic pill? 
100% of people said they would take this pill and be willing to die 12 months later. So that's instructive into the mind of the athlete. They are entirely performance focused. They're not looking at a fueling strategy and thinking to themselves, what's the effect in the marginal decade, like the last year of my life or the last 10 years of my life? What's the effect of 120 grams of carbohydrates per hour on the marginal decade of my life? They just don't care. They don't care about the effect of carbohydrates on their gut microbiome. They don't care if ketones are impairing their sleep 20 years from now or if there's a link to some, you know, disease like dementia, which I'm totally speculating. I've never seen anything like that, but they just don't care. This is not the lens through which they view the world. They view the world through performance. Can I win this race? Can I get to the top of this mountain? Can I get this contract? That is their whole world. Now, when we look at somebody like Mark Sisson, who is an amazing advocate for a ketogenic-based lifestyle, Mark is approaching his, I think he's mid-60s at the moment. He looks amazing. But Mark is a retired athlete. He doesn't view the world through performance anymore. He views the world through health and longevity. So that's the lens through which he views the world. That's what success looks like for him. So it's a totally different set of dietary principles applied to him. He's into trying to keep his blood sugar stable for long periods of the day because the more elevations in blood sugar we have, the more chance we have of developing chronic illness later in life. So that's what success looks like to Mark. Now you need to decide where do you land on this continuum of health and longevity on the one end to performance on the other. So I have tried to find my balance which is somewhere in the middle. I'd be lying if I said I don't care about performance anymore, even though the races I'm doing, they're, you know, they're stupid races to anyone else but me. You know, I tongue-in-cheek call the Monday night race the Monday night world champs. It's my world champs. It really matters to me. It matters to me as much as the world's matter to Remco, but they don't matter to anyone else. So objectively, someone might look at this and go, well, why is he not pursuing the perfect diet for longevity and health when he's only doing these pokey little races? But they're not pokey little races to me. And that's why I continue to pursue this balance of health and longevity, yes, but performance, yes. So I'm sitting somewhere in the middle of that continuum. So a nice way to break this down is into three distinct tiers. We have this objective and our objective is where do we sit on this continuum? So that's our overarching vision or our guiding principle that we're moving towards. Now, if we peel it back a layer from that, we have our strategy. So we have different ways that we can get to there. We have different dietary philosophies. We have ketogenic diet. We have paleo diet. We have carnivore diet. We have South Beach diet. We have Atkins diet. We have all these different diets, these different vehicles. And a lot of those vehicles will get us to that destination we're looking for. You know, say if we choose a destination that I'm trying to get to, there's two or three different vehicles I could choose to occupy to get there. I could be a carnivore diet. I could be a vegan diet or any of the different dietary philosophies. And as long as I stay in that one cart and I don't start swapping from one dietary ideology to the next, I'll most likely get to my destination. And then the layer behind objectives and behind strategy at the front of this is tactics. And tactics is like the day-to-day -day stuff. What's the composition of my macros? How am I distributing them towards the day, throughout the day? Am I fasting? Am I doing meal preparation? And I think this is where a lot of the confusion arises. People get stuck in the tactics. I'm, they're stuck in the, oh, should I do a 16-hour fast or an 18-hour fast? They're stuck in the meal preparation. They're stuck in 
do I need to track macros? You know, can I just eyeball macros or do I actually have to count them and put them into my fitness pal? How much water do I need to take in each day? I've seen this study that said two and a half liters. Then I've seen another study that said two liters is dangerous. All of this is tactics and all this is pointless without the other two layers, without having an objective, know where we're going. Because if we don't know where we're going, what's the Seneca saying? If you don't know which port you're get going to, no trade wind will be favorable. We need to have that goal that we're moving towards, our objective. Then we need to have the strategy that's going to take us there. And that's going to be the dietary philosophy. Then we can break it down and start getting into the tactics. So for me, I have that objective of striking a balance somewhere between health and longevity on the one side and performance in the middle on the other end. So I'm sitting somewhere in the middle. And then if I bring it down to my strategy, how am I going to get there? Well, we have all these different dietary schools. And honestly, I haven't seen probative evidence enough for me to jump wholeheartedly into any one of these ideologies. And instead, I've chosen to eat quite a balanced diet that is rich in whole foods as close to source as possible. So I'm trying to eat mainly single ingredient foods. I'm trying to eat meat. I'm trying to eat vegetables, eggs, milk, fish, greens, fruits, a good mix of a healthy, natural diet. That's the strategy or the vehicle I've chosen. And now my tactics. So I want to break down and show you kind of what a day looks like for me training wise or dietary wise on a non-training day. So my approach to diet on a non-training day, I reckon through trial and error, that my basal metabolic rate is about 2,200 calories per day. And my trial and error on this has been, I've played around at 2,500 calories and I've noticed my weight starting to creep up. I've played around under 2,200 calories and I've noticed my weight starting to go down. So there is more scientific ways to do this. You can get oxygen gas masks that measure your actual output in a day. But I'm pretty confident around 2,200 is my metabolic rate for the day. So then next on this, I layer my protein requirements. So for me, I aim to eat about 120 grams of protein per day. That's roughly 1.5 grams per kilogram of body weight. Then after I eat that, I don't have that many calories left. And I have to now decide how do I distribute my residual or remaining calories. And I'll distribute them into the other two macro groups, fat and carbs, depending on the session that I have planned for the next day. If I have an early session the next morning, I'm going to use my carb allocation later in the day and my fat allocation earlier in the day. Now, if I'm doing a training day, I'm basically eating the exact same way as I just outlined there but I'm looking to replace my calorie expenditure during the ride. So if I do a 2000 calorie ride, I'm looking to eat 2000 calories on the ride, or if it's not on the ride, maybe it's 1500 calories on the ride and 500 calories in that glycogen replenishment window, which is 30 minutes as soon as I get off the bike. That's when we're most sensitive to glycogen reabsorption. So I'll get off the bike and I'll have something like a chocolate milk. On top of all that, I will have supplements. I'll have athletic greens every day. I'll have vitamin D every day and I'll have creatine every day. And that's basically my health regime. That's it. It's not that complicated, but it all starts with knowing where you want to go. What is your objective? What is your vision? What is your guiding light? If my guiding light was solely health and longevity, I would have a slightly different intake. I would eat slightly different foods on the bike and off the bike. If my goal was entirely performance driven, again, I would have a slightly different fueling strategy. 
but where I'm trying to strike that combination, as I imagine most listeners to the podcast are, of still trying to perform at events, still trying to perform and try and push the boundaries of what we can achieve physically on the bike or running or whatever your chosen sport is, still trying to push the boundaries as far as we can there, while also not reducing our chances of having a healthy, happy and long life. That's where I found my balance at the moment. And this is information that I've taken from, as I say, the probably 20, 30 long form conversations we've had with some of the best experts on health and diet around the world. And this is kind of the dietary philosophy that I've arrived at. I'm not a nutritionist. These are my humble learnings from listening to some of the foremost experts in the world in this area. So take them as you will. Roadman, this was a flow of consciousness, but I've enjoyed it a lot. I'll be back tomorrow where I'm going to be doing a little bit of a Tour de France breakdown. Until then, ride safe and chat to you then.